Good morning. This is Basic English. My name is Russell Ziski, and I'm going to be your instructor for the next five weeks. So I want you to call me Russell, and I'm going to call you by your first names, because frankly, I'd have a pretty tough time pronouncing some of your last names. Okay, I know you're anxious to jump right in and start speaking English, but there are just a couple of things I need to know first because I've never done this before. So, how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? A little English? Yes, you speak some English. Son of bitch, shit. Son of bitch, shit. Okay, that's really very good. I'd like to try it just one more time, and then we'll call it a day. I made it on a Monday and my heart stood still. Somebody told me that her name was Jill. Podcast with me, Dave Juskow. How are you? Tuesday, October first. Tuesday in October. You know, the first Monday in October is uh, I don't know some sort of Supreme Court thing. They know there's a, mo- a Monday called uh, a movie called that with uh, Jill Clayburgh, I believe. The first Monday in October. <laughs> so, I, uh, who cares? Why did I start the podcast off that way? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the program. It's nice to see everybody. I am uh, taping on a Friday, on a beautiful Friday morning. I'll tell you something, I wasn't feeling that great. And then I was just like, well, you know what? I have to record because it's a beautiful day outside. And a beautiful day outside can really, truly take away any kind of depression or anything because uh, the, when the sun is shining, it's... Uh, and there's not a cloud in the sky. It is pretty uh, terrific feeling, and I guess that's uh, what it's made to be. But uh, playing those things up front could make me happy, too. You see, when we go back to uh, this uh, past Tuesday's show, my football show, as you know or not know, on YouTube, I invited this woman on, Kate Herman, and I, I'm just opening the show with this because I'm, I'm going to tell you why in a second. You know, I was thinking, should I even bring it up again? But I have to. I have to because it was bothering me like all week. This girl, Kate Herman, was just so mean and so nasty. And if you were watching, like many of uh, you know our, our friends do who listen to this podcast or our Patreon subscribers, they were like, wow, what an asshole. What a complete asshole. And we, you and I both know she was an asshole, which is kind of funny because the guy that invented the contender app was like, hey, that was hilarious. I should put this on. And I'm like, you know, I'll put it on Twitter. And I'm like, what are you, crazy? I don't want her getting any publicity. She's awful. And as you know, she just treated me with complete disrespect 
and was so angry at the slides and angry that I didn't invite her to the tailgate. I mean, this woman is crazy. And I said this going in. I even said that the week before on the thing. I'm like, she's crazy. I don't know what to expect. And it's, uh, you know, clearly on me to invite her. I took a chance. I took a chance on this girl because she did have a lot of football knowledge and she's ridiculously pretty. So, you know, a lot of times that just trumps everything. But, wow, she is a loose cannon. And I knew that, in fact... One of our new lovely Patreon subscribers, Marcy, uh, who, who's so wonderful and found our uh, her way onto this podcast by the Billy Joel podcast, pointed out that actually in a, a couple you know episodes uh, back in November with the election day, I was saying this woman is horrible. She's a drunk. She's nasty. And, you know, I mean, it's like all the signs were there. I knew that, though. I knew that. And I took a chance. It's like two weeks ago when I used that girl, Michelle Fox, who's a delight, a really nice person. But it just wasn't working out for the show, right? She just doesn't know how it works or whatever the case may be. And that's the problem is you have these people that don't understand the format and then they get all, they just can't handle it and they can't go with the flow. It's really messed up. And that woman, Kate, this week uh, really hurt my feelings a lot. And I know she shouldn't and I know I should let it go. But as most of you know who listen to this podcast, I can't do that. I am not the kind of person that can not show his feelings. I mean, I think I handled, handled it okay on the show, but, you know, behind the scenes, I was, like, really upset and embarrassed and wasn't really sure what to do. And then when it was over, you know, I was really upset about it. I mean, it ruined my night. And I woke up the next morning really upset, too, and actually asked producer Mike, Mushy Mike Suarez, to cut that out of the YouTube, uh, you know, for the... 300 people that watch it after it airs because it's just too much. I don't know whether he did. It doesn't matter. I said, if you have the time, maybe you can just cut out that one section because it really bothers me. It was really disturbing. Um, but the funny thing is about her, Kate Herman, is that, you know, she texted me. She said, hey, that was a lot of fun. Do you want to come to Staten Island this week and shoot the show? As if nothing happened because that's the thing. In her mind, she didn't give a shit. She's not going to remember. She's a drunk. So... It's not like she even did it on purpose, which is the reason why I asked her on the show in the first place. It seems like she just kind of does these horrible things. If you listen to Olga's podcast last week and she was talking about this girl that hit her, I don't know if you were listening. Uh, nobody's listening so far because Olga's not promoting it because she's uh, embarrassed by it, which is like, why am I even bothering wasting my time with it? Uh, <laughs> but it was Kate Herman that punched her. She was telling a story that a girl punched her and she didn't say who it was. It was Kate. She gets drunk and hits and gets angry and is truly anti-Semitic. It's not even a joke. And, you know, why have her on the show? Because I don't know. Because, you know, when I have a decent... Uh, that week was supposed to be Greg Fitzsimmons. So when I have a Greg Fitzsimmons, and again, if, you know, if you are listening to this podcast or you know anything about comedy, Greg Fitzsimmons is a really good guest. So if I have a good A-list comedian guest like that, then I don't really care about getting a second one. You know, so having somebody like Kate didn't, it was perfect. I'm like, you know, uh, I'll just have her on in the six o'clock hour and she's a nobody. And then, you know, I have Greg coming up. So that's the key. Having one big A-list guest, at least in our world, an A-list guest. And then you know, putting somebody smaller in so I don't have to use up all my 
whatever you'd call my guest or whatever you'd call them, my my list of people because I have to book a show every week and I have to book two or three guests every week, right? So, you know, I, I was just like, well, I'll take a chance. I'll take a chance. And believe me, I went back and forth in my mind about what I should do about this whore. Sorry, I just, I, that was the polite word for what I wanted to say. But, um, you know, just... You know, I, I was back and forth, back and forth. And I'm like, if I use her at six, she won't be drunk. Maybe. I don't know. It was an experiment. It completely backfired. She's a horrible human being. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do? So the point I'm trying to make is that this week, tonight, on Tuesday, this, as you know, comes out on Tuesday, the podcast and the show comes out at the same time. I have my... Uh, a-list guest, as you may say, and I don't want anybody to take any offense by this, but we all know who it is, uh, what what the story is. The a, who is the A-list guest? Now, I'm, oh my god, what's the matter with me? It's um, oh my god, I'm an idiot. What? It's October fifth, so it's, oh, it's uh, Alex Sulkin from Family Guy, right? She, this woman throws off my train of thought. It's Alex Sulkin from Family Guy, right? So this is a guy. He's an A-list guest to me because he wrote the movie Ted, which is. Really, I think one of the greatest comedies of all time, and he is the executive producer and writer of Family Guy, and I can watch that every single day for hours at a time. I love Family Guy. I like him. We have the same sense of humor. You know, he was on my podcast a couple weeks ago. You know how great he is. He's a great person. He's a great guy. It's like after Kate came on, you know, Greg Fitzsimmons couldn't make it. Uh, He had a family emergency, so that's why I had Nick on, and thank God. I had Nick on because he made me feel comfortable. I could talk to him. I mean, Nick, Nick and I are becoming very close friends. And so ugh, having a good friend on, like an Alex Sulkin, you know, makes me happy. So then I say to myself, I don't have to get a big guest. And I can put on some people I was, I've been talking to that are kind of up and coming that have asked, it, can, I, can I do your show? And I'm like, perfect. I'll have you on at this particular hour. We'll do a little talking. And then I'll have my, quote, A-list guest on. So this week... And here's the experiment, right? Because I'm kind of 0-2 with these kind of people that are not loose cannons, but, you know, kind of like reservoir dogs where uh, the, the, the British guy, Tim uh, Roth, is the, you know, the, the, the whole, the, the guy, he's like, ah, he's the one guy I wasn't 100% sure about. That, you know, that's the system. So this week, get ready, <laughs> tonight, I have Molly Heckerling on the show. Now, obviously, those of you who have listened to this podcast for multiple years know that last name. It's synonymous with one of my heroes. But here's the thing. So, yes, she is Amy Heckerling's daughter. But her father, her biological father, is Harold Ramis. So here we are again. I am having the spawn of two of my absolute heroes in movie making and we had been communicating ever since i had her mother on you know we had been kind of communicating i even said why don't you come on to a long time ago when before the covid and everything and uh i never met her i've never spoken to her in person molly heckerling i'm talking about i didn't even know she existed until violet who we did have on harold ramus's daughter came on and said i have the stepdaughter that was now bought out as the love child of Harold Ramis and Amy Heckerling. Now, I don't think that's going to be an issue to talk about. It's out in the open. It's all good. I'm saying when I have Molly on, I'm assuming I can talk about her parents. If I can't, then I will be 0-3 for my 6 p.m. guests 
or whatever you call them that are not the A-listers, I'll be 0-3 if Molly turns out to be a bust. And if this experiment doesn't work, now I've seen her to be nothing but kind and interesting online, and we've only talked through Instagram, but if she's a bust, I'm not getting anybody else. I will do the hour by myself, and I will just get you know my A-list guesters to make the picks, or I'll make the picks myself with Mike, and I will be perfectly fine with that. The experiment is not working, but I still have high hopes, as I did for Kate. I mean, I wanted her to be on multiple times because of her amazing football knowledge, which is clear, but what a horrible human being. You're so narcissistic. I'm like, well, yeah, that's the, that's the gag. How are you not getting the gag? That's the gag of the things. That's, that's the way I started the podcast. You know, you can hear at the 7 o'clock where I'm talking to Nick. I'm like, no, that's how, the, that's how this whole thing started. I was showing slides. It's so stupid. Uh, yeah, it's a little narcissistic, but in a funny way. I'm just showing what a goofball I am during this time of the year and the stupid things I do. I mean, I'll never forget when we were showing. I was when we had the football show live with Artie and Lenny, and I was showing slides of when I emceed the um, or hosted the uh, the Filipino 65th birthday party. You know, I mean, that's how is that not funny? You guys get it. I don't have to explain it to you. And you know how funny those tailgating stupid photos are. I try and do my best and show you my week. I mean, that's what the podcast is all about. So it's just an extension of the podcast. Uh, so, yeah, obviously she just didn't get the format. And I mean, Jesus Christ, to call somebody like I was hoping to make. I mean, I was like, relax, we're going to get to that. My God, we, she like thought the show was over or something. I mean, she's just a drunk and a horrible person. Look, and she got angry. Because her boyfriend isn't giving her enough attention because he's obsessed with the Gabby Patino. Uh, Gabby Patino. I can't get the name right. But, um, yeah, she's obviously insane. Uh, I was debating. Well, on the podcast, I don't talk. I'm going to bring it up next week, too, or tonight on the air, too, because I don't give a shit, and I don't mind calling her out or whatever because I don't think she gives a shit. She doesn't even understand, and that's the thing, you know? It's like, it's just uh, stupid. Anyway, so Molly Heckerling on the show, the spawn of Harold Ramis and Amy Heckerling. I mean, how can you go wrong? I played the Harold Ramis clip up front. I played the Clueless music as the opening theme song. I mean, come on, right? I mean, Jesus Christ, it's going to be unbelievable. (laughs) I hope. I don't know. You know, I don't think she met her father at all until she was older, didn't know, you know, kind of like a Steven Tyler, Liv Tyler thing was uh, not told because it was secret. I believe they were both in other relationships, but uh, how could somebody like Amy Heckerling not find Harold Ramis attractive? Because, you know, Harold Ramis, he's the man. Not only does he write and direct Caddyshack, right? We can just stop there. But then he goes on to write Stripes. Then he goes on to write Ghostbusters. Then he goes on to write and direct Groundhog Day. I mean, Jesus Christ. And then we're talking about a uh, pretty much 20 in that 20 years. But like he just kept going. And if he was still alive, he'd still be doing it. And he'd still be having greatness because he was a true genius. And you know how I feel about her. I was fortunate enough to have her on the podcast, and obviously I would do everything in my power if Howard Ramos was still alive to get him on the podcast too. He'd probably be on multiple podcasts because I 
pretty sure he used to like to talk about himself a lot. I think he was very upset that he wasn't in, uh, you know, Caddyshack or something. I, you know, in so in. I think he was very upset that he wasn't in Animal House. Right? He wrote Animal House too. Jesus fucking Christ! The list continues. Harold Ramis, ugh, you know, one of those smart fellas that knows how to write well. Damn. Yeah, maybe in my next life I'll be that bright. Boy, yeah. So, so anyway, there's uh, the thing. If she, again, if she, if she turns out to be no fun, and, uh, you know, no fun is okay, but if she's like, I don't want to talk about my parents. Can you imagine if she did that? I'd be like, uh, well, I mean, she seems nice, and I don't mind talking about whatever she's doing. She's trying to be a comic and stuff. And she's got a kid. She had a kid during COVID. I find all that kind of stuff very interesting. But, yeah, if she turns out to be the bust, it's over. Okay? I, I think I'm just going to say that on the show. <laughs> I'm just going to be like, look. You're my last hope. Otherwise, I'm not having anybody we don't know anymore. It's over. No, just keep it. Anyway, Greg's coming back on the show next week um, because he, he just had to reschedule, which, of course, is fine. So we have Alex Sulkin tonight, Greg next week. Oh, uh, Colin Smith and uh, Nick. I, I, I don't know his last name right now. Uh, they're going to play. They're going to be, uh, you know, we're going to play some music on the 19th. And my friend Lou Pellegrino will be doing the picks with us. He's Rich Eisen's producer. You know, I, again, I don't mind having, I mean, he's very serious. He's not a funny guy. He's a great guy, he's not, but he, he loves all the stuff we like. And, you know, we'll just be making picks and he'll get real serious about it. But that's okay. Sometimes it's a comedy show. Sometimes it's a sports show. What are you going to do? I got I to fill two hours. And I love every goddamn minute of it, except when somebody mocks me to my face like that. I don't know anybody that wouldn't that that wouldn't upset i mean you'd, you'd have to be kind of a psychopath for that not to upset you when you're putting so much work and passion into your project every day so that was tuesday now on friday when we left you last time i had went to uh, peter luger's with rachel and her husband rachel feinstein and her husband and my friends lee and laura and we had a pretty lovely night, I guess. I don't know. When I came back, I was like, that wasn't satisfying, and I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe it was because uh, finally at this point, I was like, well, I don't know if I like being the fifth wheel anymore. You know, it's, it's all couples, and then there's me. And normally it doesn't bother me, but I don't know. Maybe it did. I don't know. I got uh, the next day, I got very depressed, but I don't think that had anything to do with it. But who knows? Maybe I was just, I don't know. It just, it, it, it wasn't as. Something was missing this time, and usually those Wolfgang things are fun, and I don't know what it was. I, I guess I, I just had a bad night. I mean, I had the cappuccino so I could watch TV all night, which I did, um, and then I just had a tough night. I don't know. I don't know what something was bothering me, and then maybe because I knew I was going to the tailgate Sunday, I was very uptight about it, and I had to you know, buy stuff, and I'm you know, running out of money, so it's bothering my head. Uh, you know, buying, I, I mean, I didn't have to buy that much. I had to buy some Bailey's Irish cream, you know, for our coffee. And then I had to buy the coffee. And, you know, all of that, maybe it cost 50 bucks or a little over. But, you know, that's got to provide something for the tailgate. And maybe I was just nervous about going to the tailgate because I also felt very guilty because, uh, you know, I wanted to go to Joe Messina's Hope and Heroes walk. But I told him I wanted to get content for the show. And then that didn't even work. I wanted to do both things. And the tailgate turned out to be so much fun because I wasn't positive. 
I remember I was thinking about taking the 1050 train back and then I could, you know, see Joe, but I kept in touch with him. He goes, eh, I think we're all just going to pack up. It's not the way it usually is. There's not a lot of activities and tents because we used to hang out, but because of COVID, everything kind of shut down. Remember, it's not even supposed to be in September. So, yeah, I didn't make it. And I ended up taking the 1250 train home, which was fine, you know, but I, I was not sick of the tailgate. It's weird. Normally, by 11 a.m., I'm like, oh, my God, we have another two hours left. But this didn't happen this time. I don't know why. I guess I was in a pretty good mood. I was having a good time, and I was excited to leave and really glad I wasn't going to game. And my friend Jay, he's like, I have an extra ticket if you want to come in. I'm like, nah, I like going home. And that's the thing, Kate again. I was like, I didn't think you'd want to go. I'm not going into the game. She goes, I hate going to the game. I like watching Red Zone at home. It's like we have so much in common. God, if she wasn't such a complete asshole... We could be very good friends. It's just so weird how horrible she is. But yeah, she likes to go home too and just watch Red Zone. How can you compete with that? Here's what I'm going to do though. She gave all her draft picks on the show. And she goes, I love these. I put them together for you. I mean, she was, I guess she was feeling the way I was. Like she put a lot of work into the show. I don't know why I'm, I, I don't want to still talk about it, but it, listen, there's nothing I can do. You know, this podcast you know how it works. It goes by everything I'm feeling during the week. And unfortunately, you have to deal with the brunt of it being good or bad. And this week was all about Kate Herman. And, you know, I'm going to put her pick because I'm not talking to her again, right? I'm not texting her again, but I'm going to put her picks in because if they work, then what do I do? Then I, I mean, that'll be the funny thing on Tuesday. I'm like, look, I put her picks in to the DraftKings, which we could all do because she said it on YouTube. And if she wins, then what do you do? Then you have this kind of interesting conundrum where I would probably have her back. I just I wouldn't dare show her any slides. I guess if I know that, but I mean, Jesus, if she's really that good. So we'll let it all go. If by the time this comes out, it turns out she actually, you know, we all want another 10 bucks. Then what do you do? It's weird, right? I guess not everybody can be a kind person, but if they do their job that they were asked to do, it's like Charlie Sheen, right? Before everything blew up, he was like, what's the matter with you guys? I always show up for work on time. Maybe I'm fucked up. You know, I show up at nine, I leave at five, then I get really fucked up. You'll hear about me in the news, but I'm always here ready to work. What do you want from me? I mean, that's, the, that's, that's what it is, right? They're like, I don't want to use Charlie Sheen anymore. He's gone insane. He's like, what, what are you talking about? I, I'm, I'm doing my job. I'm here every day. I don't think he ever was late. I don't think he even caused problems on the set. I'm not exactly sure why they got all upset about him. I just can't remember. But that's one of those things. What do you do? What do you have like a Shelley Long or something I know on your show who's horrible? The cast hates her. She's an awful, awful person. But is she not doing her job? Was she not brilliant on that show? She certainly was. And after she left, everybody was really happy. They're like, this is a great work environment. You know, that's the thing. If you're causing a toxic work environment, that's another thing. But what do you do if the show's working? You're causing the tox a toxic work environment at your actual job, like a nine to five, like a law or a bank job or something. I guess that's different. But if the product of what you're making is flawless and working and it's making everybody money, what do you do? Tough call. 
and I certainly have a lot of friends who are assholes, but are terrific. Oh, I'll give you a great example. Caitlin Palufo. Here we go again, right? This is this comic who was supposed to be on my show coming up tomorrow, Wednesday, October 6th. Uh, you know, remember, I forgave her for the shit she pulled when we did August show because she was so amazing. Again, I don't even know what the hell she was talking about. All I know is the audience was loving it, and it's in somebody's yard, and she killed, right? So I'm like, you know what? Screw me. She's good. Canceled again. Oh, I didn't know what time you said. I have a spot at the cellar. Did the same thing she did to me that she did to Olga. And I'm like, fuck you. And then I used her boyfriend. I'm like, can I also cancel your boyfriend? She's like, no, he can do it. Oh, my God. Now I hate her again. But it'll be hard to hate her because she's good at what she does. So I'm going to have to let that go, unfortunately. But I got somebody to replace her. I got Liz Mealy, who you know has been a friend to me and a friend on the show. And that's all I need sometimes when these complete selfish douchebags just let you down. But that is a perfect example. Caitlin Palufo of somebody who I would never, even if she keeps canceling, I can't let that stand in the way that she does a good job on the show. And it's possible years from now she could become very famous. And it's not because she becomes famous. She's just like, She's good. And, you know, what do you want to do? You know, what, what? There's, you know, it's a business, right? And, and But unfortunately, me, Dave Juskow, being narcissistic Dave Juskow, uh, does not treat things like a business. He treats it emotionally and personally because that is the kind of person he is, which is probably why he can't get further than he is. I love talking about myself in the third person. It's kind of fun. Well, Jessica doesn't like what you're saying. <laughs> like, uh, who's that guy uh, on Seinfeld? Oh, Tommy, shit. I know everybody knows. Um, ah, God, I can't remember that one episode where he's like, uh, Billy doesn't like when Elaine breaks up with him. I can't, but I can't, I can't think of the name right now. It's going to kill me, and of course I'll remember. And you're probably sitting there screaming it, and I uh, can't think of it right now. But anyway, that's the one with Mel Torme. But anyway, yeah. That's the problem with me. That's the problem with uh, building a business or putting on a show. You know this is true. Somebody cancels. I take it completely personally. Everybody tells me not to, but how can I not? How can I not? I get too excited about when things are going to happen and things are going according to plan that I get so excited and I picture the things in my head that I have a major meltdown when they don't go according to plan. Speaking of which, Memo's birthday on Monday we went out, you know, He his birthday was on Monday, and I was like, oh, Monday, uh, football and wings. I love it. He goes, I don't know what that means. I'm like, ah, it doesn't mean anything. Just pick a place, and we'll go there. So he picks this place in Long Island City called The Huntress, and it's a sister place with something called The Baroness. I don't know, this stupid, stupid place in Queens. I must have passed this place a 100 times. That's where I parked the city bike to get the Revel scooter in Queens. And I'm like, this is where you want to go? I've always been interested to go in there. And I looked them up online, and they have all these different kind of wings. Well, they stink. And they say they have scruffy wings, which are a nod to scruffy duffies. But apparently, they put barbecue sauce in everything. So when you get the buffalo wing, I can tell right away. I'm like, no, there's something wrong with it. It's okay. But there is a hint of barbecue in this. I know what these guys are trying to do. They can go fuck themselves. Place was stupid. The waitress was hot. But... They are understaffed. They said it on the website, 
And because they're understaffed, they add in a 20% gratuity. Now, thank God I looked at the website because you know how crazy I am. I go to a place. I got to look up the menu first. I got to look at the website. I got to look up all the details. I got to see where it is because in my head, I got to prepare. Sometimes, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you're talking, you're talking, and then you got to, oh, wait, let me look at the menu. I don't want to be that guy, so I try and look in advance. Still, it takes me time because I'm wishy-washy. And they put and so thank God I saw the twenty percent because the bill comes and me and Memo's wife pay for it and Rachel's with us too but it's her birthday so she can't we can't let her pay and I'm like I knew this coming what are you gonna do I've just been using my American Express card I don't know how I'm gonna pay that uh, anyway then so I said I looked for it and I said oh listen they added on the gratuity and she goes really like because you know it would be it's dark in there and if I wasn't looking for it. I would never have noticed it. And they certainly don't tell you. It's not like that waitress comes, hey, we add in a 20% gratuity. I don't even think it's on the fucking menu. You know, when you got to use your phone to use the app, I don't think it's on the menu. I had just seen it on the site. And uh, goddamn, you know, we would have sat there and just paid extra money if we didn't know. And then you feel like a dick because it didn't look like it was enough. And we probably would have given more and and we just say, cross it out. The gratuity's already been there. And we just walk away and, and we both, me and Memo's wife, just feel like, like we've done something wrong. Adding in the gratuity sucks. I don't know who their customers are there, but I, I, I would just, I, I wouldn't open a place in Long Island City if you're having trouble with people not being able to pay 20%. Yeah, open, open somewhere else. Adding a gratuity, I, I just, um, you know, I always pay over anyway, so that just makes me furious, and you feel like a dick, and I don't want to add more. It's not like the service was great, but I would have added, I guess what they do is they take 20% off the actual bill, and it doesn't include the tax, but I always do my gratuity off the full bill, which I guess you're not supposed to do, but so I guess I'm always leaving like 22% or, or more. And, you know, then they suffer by adding it in, and it just, of course, pisses you off. So that place sucked. And uh, I w- was trying to contact the owner of those two places. She's Canadian, and I just want to tell her, uh, you know, she stinks. And her places are stupid. And her staff is stupid, except that everybody's understaffed. So that's the issue, and that's what she's saying online. Like, oh, what do you want me to do? Amazing, I can keep this open at all. She's probably right. But, yeah, their food sucked. So I got two different kinds of wings. I got the, you know, was supposed to be classic buffalo, which was not, even though it's making my mouth water thinking about it. And then uh, some hot and spicy one, which was awful. And everybody else got burgers. And so then I ordered a burger at the end because they actually, the burgers looked delicious. But they didn't even have, the appetizers were horrible. They're like, oh, we have plantains. We have sweet potato tater nuts. That may say, seem good to you guys, but not to me. You know, I just want nachos and regular tater tots. I don't like any of this nonsense where they try and get cute. The appetizers sucked. Fried pickles. I don't like any of this nonsense. But Memo's kid was there, and she's always fun. So it wasn't like it was a bad time. And then, of course, you know, because I can't take the Rebel scooter over the bridge, I got to find an electric bike, and there wasn't any, so I had to actually take a bike to the projects to get an electric bike. Because I said to myself, there is no way I am taking a regular bike over the Queensboro Bridge. Go in the opposite direction. No way. I'd rather call an Uber or a taxi and have it pick me up right at the lip of the bridge or walk 
and I wasn't in the mood to walk. It's it's two it's a two mile uphill thing, and I took the regular bike on the way there, which is only you know maybe half a mile up that I can handle. But going the opposite way, no way. So I had to actually take a regular bike to get the stupid electric bike, and it's just pissing me off because it's possible today I may go to Jackson Heights to get the Korean barbecue. No, not barbecue. Korean wings, which are amazing. Uh, identified flying chicken, hilarious. But it won't let me take the damn scooter over the bridge. Ah! I'm trying so hard. I really don't want to take a subway. I haven't taken a subway. I think I can make it two years in March. Fuck the subways. They're stupid. I like taking this regular mode of transportation that I'm doing. I like the way I'm doing it. But you're not making it easy for me. It's really frustrating. Oh, yeah. Um, This is stupid. But remember last week we were playing, or a couple weeks ago, we were playing where um, the scene from Tootsie where he sees him at the Russian tea room and he's like, it's me, Mugger, I see your client, last really customers, tomato. Uh, we were playing that scene and I went to the diner by myself on Tuesday. I usually go every Tuesday now because I like it. It's a fun ritual, even though the stupid diners in this neighborhood are too, they're not regular diners, they're too pricey. It's awful, but... Getting out of the house. Now, I should go on Mondays because I'm depressed by Monday. So I should go on Mondays because it kind of starts the week going. It's good. But doing Tuesdays, knowing it's show day, quote, I'm doing the air quotes, is is good for me. I like going on Tuesday. So and then I usually meet Nick, but Nick couldn't make it. I'm like, you know what? I think I could do it by myself. And I think I talked about this the other uh, with Nick. I did on the air. So I kind of like it. But and what I couldn't talk about the air is something that only you guys would understand. When I uh, went there by myself, I bought a newspaper to read. And I was sitting down for the newspaper. And the waitress was right there. And I'm like, yeah, let me get some coffee. And I looked and sounded just like when Sidney Pollock is sitting down at the Russian tea room in Tootsie. When they give him that table. And he's like, how are you? And he goes, yeah, let, give me a, or whatever. He orders his order right away while he's still standing. Then he says hello to somebody. And he puts his paper down. I was doing the exact same thing. And I'm like, oh, I have to talk about this on the podcast because no one else will understand except Nightfly listeners. Speaking of which, being October 1st, today, the day I'm recording, apparently there is a new Donald Fagan Nightfly Live album that came out on vinyl today. Maybe I'll purchase that because I should, right? The Nightfly Live I would do the Nightfly Live, but only 10 people would show up. So everybody's scattered around the globe. So what are you supposed to do for that? Hey, I'm not guys we fucked, girls. <laughs> I think I said that the right way. I uh, wished uh, Karen, one of the girls from the Guys We Fucked podcast, a happy birthday the other day. I tell you, being on that show would be a huge deal, a huge boost. Speaking of uh, guys we fucked, uh, not uh, th- that came out the wrong way, uh, but I was. Um, this is a very, very strange thing, but again, it's the night flight. You guys get it. Hotsy Totsy. So ring a bell. From Welcome Back Cotter, Deborah Lee Scott. Yes, I was watching Match Game. I'm up at five in the morning all the time and watch a Match Game. How can you not watch Match Game? It's amazing. And uh, Deborah Lee Scott, back in the 70s, who was very popular as Hotsy Totsy in Welcome Back, Cotter. She had 
bright red hair and she was kind of adorable and how do you not remember somebody's name Hotsy Totsy now you couldn't name somebody like that but let's face it in the 70s everybody had somebody in school named Hotsy Totsy and uh, so I was looking her up I was just wondering if she was still alive she died I don't know 10 years ago maybe and what's weird is I believe if I remember I just marked down Hotsy Totsy to remind myself uh, her husband died. This is just so weird because she's from the 70s. Her husband died in the World Trade Center on 9-11. And that caused her to drink and go a downward spiral and, and, and die. Just like Trish, you know, the girl that I asked to marry me, who was drinking and drinking because of 9-11 because she was there. The towers crashed in her house, and almost on her, she was able to escape, covered in the World Trade Center, and could not get over it for 20 years. Deborah Scott, Deborah Lee Scott couldn't get over it from, for 10 years because she had lost her husband. Trish just couldn't get over the whole thing because she was there. It took her 20 years. The death of somebody that she lost, uh, this Hatsi Tatsi, and it took her 10 years. There's all, look at these people that, uh, what it caused for other people that I guess didn't get help. And I thought it was fascinating. I'm like, wow. Yeah, she drank herself to death after she lost her husband in 9-11. Hotsy fucking Totsy from Welcome Back, Cotter. I was completely riveted. I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly what happened to Trish. Except, you know, I mean, she didn't knowingly lose anybody, uh, I think. But, you know, I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, we, we don't even, we probably still don't know how that's affecting other people that might have been there that well that didn't receive help you know that didn't get mental help so wow i don't know i thought that was completely fascinating you know you're watching match game and then you see somebody who got affected by 9-11 you know you're watching match game 75 and then you know i look up something that happened something like almost relevant and uh i was just completely i was like wow i mean that's that's what i do I watch Match Game. I see some of the people. I'm like, hey, whatever happened to her? And I look them up and see if they're still alive. Because, you know, I do the whole thing. If I see them smoking on the set and they're the last ones alive, <laughs> it's, like, fascinating. Because they're sitting there smoking, you know, trying to pretend they're not smoking, but they're smoking. Richard Dawson's smoking a lot on that show. And he lived to be a, you know, ripe old age. But I'm always fascinated by who's still alive on the panel. Because, you know, Everyone's dead. And I, I also enjoy the morbidness of that as well. Uh, and it goes back to, of course, our favorite line from Dan Natterman while watching that Charlie Chaplin movie with all those children. He, he says to Audrey, you know, the 22-year-old, you know, all those kids are dead. <laughs> and that is the best line ever. Oh, my God. Wait, I had a line I never got to tell you guys that Attell told me. Oh, I know what it was. It was in September when I lost my voice. I never got to tell you this. And Attell goes, he goes, oh, uh, that's, too, well, do me a favor. If you, if you really can't speak, do me a favor and pick up your ventriloquist doll and see if he's talking. And that way we'll definitely know if it's some sort of virus or if it's a, <laughs> I forgot to tell you guys that. God damn, that's fucking funny. And uh, I can't believe I forgot for like a month to tell you. And I, I don't know what uh, reminded me to tell you. I guess just the genius of our, 
our friends that we have and their jokes, which sometimes are probably keeping me alive at this point, knowing that my friends are so funny. You sit to yourself, even though, you know, sometimes I just want it to be over. And I say like, oh, but I'll miss all of it tells really good lines. And they are that good, aren't they? I also, oh, really quick. I also wanted to say that uh, uh, my friend um, Alga told me, uh, my friend, our friend Alga told me also that in her community, you know, a lot of people aren't vaccinated in the, the Orthodox Jewish community. They just don't care. And, but she said the doctors aren't vaccinated. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, the doctors won't get vaccinated. They're like, no, it's ridiculous. And I'm like, who would want to go to a doctor that didn't believe in science? Let's just say that, you know, and now I understand if you're an anti-vaxxer and you, you want to go to a doctor like that, that makes sense. But, you know, if you're vaccinated, would you ever want to go to a doctor that didn't believe in the vaccination? I just, I'm, I was shocked. I just assumed, yes, assumed that a, every doctor would get vaccinated. And I, it's shocking to me that she told me that there were doctors that weren't vaccinated. That was shocking to me because it's just, you know, it's like, well, if, if they don't believe in science, I don't, what does that mean for all of us? I, I don't know. That confused the hell out of me. I was very surprised. Oh, and I do want to also say that to Marcy, who is our, our new Patreon subscriber, uh, a now fan of the podcast, thank goodness, and uh, watches the Tuesday show and Billy Joel. I love her. She pointed out, this is the weirdest thing. She DM me and was saying, hey, you just, because she's going back and uh, doing all the podcasts, which is, a, you know, an amazing feat of seven years. Uh, but, you know, when you get hooked on the greatness, hello. Um, and she wrote, she goes, in your episode entitled, the McRib is back, and oh yeah, there's a new president, which I guess was November. That's where I talked about, you know, stupid Kate. But what I thought she was saying is that just two hours before I got her DM, Joe Messina wrote me and said, hey, the McRib is back for the 40th anniversary starting November 1st. And I'm like, what? It is? And so that's why it was funny that I thought she was telling me, hey, the McRib is back, but it turns out I'm so obsessed with the McRib, I actually named my podcast a year ago about the McRib being back. Oh, my God. I am pathetic. <laughs> I'm obsessed. But let's face it. There's nothing funnier than the McRib sandwich. You know what? I got to put this in my, when I say act again, I'm doing the air quotes. Um, but there, there's nothing funnier than the McRib. The McRib is the stupidest sandwich of all time. It's like... McDonald's hasn't had, we've talked about this, a new unbelievable thing since the Chicken McNugget in 1984. And that is why the only thing they got left in their arsenal is to, on occasion, bring the McRib back. They never put it on their actual menu. It's always a limited period of time. Why? If everybody loves the McRib when it comes back, why don't they make that? Because that's all they got left. There's no more new inventions. You got the Big Mac, and then you got the Chicken McNuggets, and you're done. They've tried before. I think there was like a, a McDLT, and they're like, this is going to be our new thing. And, of course, nothing has worked. 
But the McRib, <laughs> if they're like, well, if we keep just teasing people with it, maybe we can make a stink about it. It's the 40th anniversary. For 40 years, they've been dangling it in front of us. The Simpsons even made an entire episode about following the McRib sandwich from state to state, <laughs> which, quite frankly, I've done. And I'm not happy about it. In fact, Rachel and I were talking about it on Friday, not even knowing the McRib was making its reappearance on November 1st. And, you know, when I do text it in, a, in tweet in Twitter, when I do tweet it in Twitter, McDonald's does always tweet me back. <laughs> so, I don't, you know, I'm advertising for free for McDonald's, but they... Uh, we were talking about because when I went down to Washington, D.C. and I saw her brother and his wife, I it had two McRib. After a full Chinese meal, I had two McRib sandwiches. And then, of course, I had diarrhea. And then I had to leave them, go to the hotel, have that, and then had a completely normal night with drinking and eating again. Just had to, you know, because what am I going to do? I'm not going to eat the McRib. It was in D.C. It wasn't in Jersey or New York. I couldn't have it back when I went. You know, you had to go where it is because it's, it's delicious. <laughs> it's so stupid. Oh, my God. Here's good news. Daniel Craig says, I never want to see James Bond be a black guy. No, he didn't say that. He just said it should always be a man, and he's completely right. That's, you know, again, I've pointed this out before. You can't make James Bond a woman. That's It's not fair. It's not right. If you got to make him black, it just better be somebody awesome. That's why with Idris Elba, he was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be James Bond. If the only reason I have to be James Bond is because I'm black, no thanks, jerk-offs. So, like, yeah, if you're looking for a black James Bond, why would you want to be the token, oh, thanks for hiring me for being James Bond because I'm black. Not interested. But, you know, I don't, at this point, I guess I don't care. What, I mean, listen, we've had 50 years, but it's got to be a guy, doesn't it, though? I mean, I said, fine. Something else for yourself uh, if you're a girl. Find another franchise, you know, like Wonder Woman. Oh, she's terrific. And here we go again, right? That Patty Jenkins, the worst woman director ever. And then Amy Heckerling. That's, that's, nobody's talking about her. Well, we are going to be talking about her tonight with Molly Heckerling. Oh, man, I hope she's cool. I hope I can ask her a bunch of questions. I mean, that is so awesome. Her mom directed the great... Since Michelle Fox calls me the other day. She texts me. She goes, hey, what's your favorite movie? I'm like, Clueless. Without even hesitation, Clueless. She's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I mean, if I'm being honest with myself, yeah, exactly. As, as gay as that is. Uh, and I was like, why? She goes, I don't know. I was just asking. And what did she say hers was? I can't remember. But, uh, oh, she said hers was Austin Powers 2. No, Austin Powers. If, if she said, if I'm being honest, it's Austin Powers. Which is fine. Like, if you're really being honest with yourself, you know, it's very easy to put out a cool answer. It's obviously the Godfather Part 2, because that is the most sincere. Or, you know, it's obviously... Oh, I, I, now I can't think of it. Uh, obviously, the the uh, English patient. Or, you know, that's, the, that's the, the cool answer. But look. Let's face it, we all know, anybody listening to this podcast, for being honest, it's goddamn clueless. It just doesn't seem to change. I Since the 90s, when I kept rearranging my favorite list, the fact of the matter is it's, you know, it's either that or Notting Hill. I don't know. I mean, Notting Hill I put as a separate category, I think, because 
I can watch it every time, and it is great, but it's a romantic comedy. Clueless is really just my best, my favorite movie. I, and then I want to say, no, it's The Godfather, but I'm like, and, and, and I go back and forth since 1994, since Clueless came out. I go, 95, I go back and forth. Godfather, Clueless, Godfather, Clueless. Now, what man, <laughs> except your pal, again, third-party Dave Juskow, again, you love the podcast, because here is a guy that's telling you his favorite movies are The Godfather and Clueless. And then you, you, you're pretty much like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and then don't you want to hear more? Wait a minute. How can your favorite movies be The Godfather and Clueless? And then you hear seven years of why. Oh, boy, there's a backstory to this. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but there's something off about this guy, and yet uh, quite intriguing. Hey, you. Anything happens to my daughter, I got a 45 and a shovel. I doubt anybody would miss you. But let's face it. Clueless is the shit. Just for the writing alone, premise, the casting, everything about it, the music. So good. And you think about it. Fast Times, Clueless. Look at those actors. Every single one has gone on to do greatness. It's not like just some random teen movie where you never hear from these people again. Every single person in that cast of both movies, Fast Times and Clueless, has gone on to do great things. And let alone Oscar nominations and Oscar wins. Fast Times, we've talked about it before. What are there, three Oscar wins? Was there four? There's I'm gonna, there's a you got Sean Penn twice, so that counts for two. Forrest Whitaker, I'm missing one. There's an easy third one. Can't think. Jennifer Jason Lee has been nominated a couple times. Fuck, I think I'm missing a third. I know there's a th- oh uh, Nicholas Cage, <laughs> Nicholas Cage winner, <laughs> a winner. That's three Oscar wins in one movie and four if you count Sean Penn's twice. That And I'm not talking about best supporting. I'm talking about best actor. Goddamn miracle. That's somebody who like knows how to cast a goddamn movie, which also makes Clueless so goddamn brilliant. Don't ever deny a, a really good casting director. I just I got to get in on that. You know what I'm saying? I got to get in on that, right? <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you this, and I think I'm going to play the whole thing, I think, because it's uh, relevant and cool and unbelievable. So, as you know, I am pretty much um, retired. Well, although I did ask uh, my friend, I said, do you think there's any jobs at United Airlines? I I don't know why. I obviously need a job. I need a job. What am I supposed to do? I need a job. (sighs) I just don't want to work in a... I don't mind working. I just don't want to work in a place... I'm just not happy. I'm not going to be happy. I don't know what to do. Maybe everything will work out. Anyway. So I'm sitting at home all the time, right? I'm watching MASH. 7 o'clock. I'm just, you know, from home on the during the day. I'm watching MASH. And I see this episode with Ned Beatty that I'd remember. Ned Beatty plays um, the head of the, like, chaplains, you know? like the colonel to Father Mulcahy. He's very nervous that he's coming, right? This is, I think this is cool. We're talking about acting. We're talking about casting. We're talking about acting. Now, Ned Beatty, I don't think anybody would say, you know, everybody like, oh, Ned Beatty, you know, whatever. For us, 
you know, Otis from Superman is is the quintessential Ned Beatty. But you forget, I think, sometimes of what an unbelievable actor he is. Very much like Joe Pesci is that he can play this little meek comic character and then he can play these scary individuals. He's just a very good, talented character actor. He did a lot of TV. He didn't care. I don't think he was trying to be a movie star. I mean, he's back to school, for goodness sakes. It's just a small role. And we all know what happened in, uh, uh, you know, the Burt Reynolds movie. Anyway, uh, so I'm watching this mash, and I see this scene, and then I'm looking at the timeline. It's a scene where he's trying to pick Father McKay up to really talk to his congregation, and he has this scene. I'm going to play it for you now. Well, sir, seemed to go rather smoothly, didn't it? So does wallpaper paste, Father. You never once had them in the palm of your hand. You've got to grab these people. You're God's messenger in this camp. Sir, I deliver. Many a business has gone bankrupt with the motto, we deliver. You've got to take these people by the hand, Father. You just got to reach out and take them by the hand, each and every one. From the lowliest private here, right up there to Captain Harry S. Truman. You've got to guide them. You've got to lead them. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You've got to be the one. You've got to be the drum major that leads this band right into the valley of blessedness. You have to use that voice of yours, Father, as a cry into the wilderness. Follow me, you see. Follow me. Lead the attack, Father, with a Bible in one hand and a sword in the other. Hallelujah. It's such a great scene because Father Mulcahy is just sitting there staring at him. Like I always remember it thinking, like, oh, what a dick he was. But then, no, he was. He inspired Father Mulcahy so much. He's staring at him. And, he's, and he said, hallelujah. And I'm looking at that scene, and I'm like, oh, my God. This is the exact same scene, almost dialogue in many ways, that he does in Network, the movie Network, where he was nominated for an Academy Award for being on screen for exactly five minutes and 33 seconds. And I said, and I was trying to look up the timeline, right? Because this is the kind of stuff that obsesses me and, again, why we love this podcast, why I do this for you, because I know there's guys like you out there like me who obsess about this kind of stuff. So I'm looking at the timeline. So that MASH episode came out in 1975 when they're filming Network. The character that he plays, whatever it is, it could be Jensen, I can't remember. Th- that, the, the character that he plays was the Network executive. I, I, apparently they didn't like the guy they were using. I believe, with all the joy in my heart, or whatever it would be called, that... Somebody was watching this episode and said, that, that's it. There, we got to get Ned Beatty. He did exactly what we're looking for. I believe that with everything I know. Because th- I remember this scene when I first saw Network for the first time, and I saw it much later than anybody else, You know, 30 years after it was made. And if you haven't seen the movie Network, it's just as, and we talk about it sometimes, it's just as relevant today as it ever was. This brilliant piece by Patty Chayefsky, who you know did win the Oscar for it? He's, he was the Aaron Sorkin of his day, and this one scene with Ned Beatty, I remember seeing it. I'm like, wow, this is powerful. And the guy, 
remember the guy who's sitting out there, I'm not going to, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And you go and you yell out your window and he brings that guy in his office and he tells him because the guy doesn't want to do it anymore. And he lays into him and says, here's what you're going to do. But when he introduces himself, you don't think he's going to be like that. And then he turns into this unbelievable spiritual monster in a way where that guy's just sitting there staring at him exactly like this scene in a stupid TV show that clearly somebody was watching. It's almost a lot of the same dialogue. He got the part, I believe memorized it, and shot it in one day. Came in while the movie was already going. Doesn't that say to you that somebody was watching that episode of MASH back in 1975 and said, you know, just like you see in the movies all the time, they pick up the phone. I've got it! This is the scene from Network, and it's very similar. And, you know, you see the, uh, the guy who ended up, Peter Finch, I believe, uh, ended up dying before he got his Oscar, just st- sitting in, in awe and not opening his mouth. This is the guy that wasn't going to take it anymore, and he, you know, went off, and he just, but then he met this other guy that floored him and scared him. And that's what makes the movie so good. Ned, Ned Beatty is, is uh, closing the shades to this office conference room before it happens. It's... It's the speech by Patty Chayefsky is unbelievable and completely relevant to today. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature, Mr. Beale, and I won't have it. Is that clear? You think you merely stopped a business deal. That is not the case. The Arabs have taken billions of dollars out of this country and now they must put it back. It is ebb and flow, tidal gravity. It is ecological balance. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There are no Russians. There are no Arabs. There are no third worlds. There is no West. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and imane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. Petrodollars, electrodollars, multidollars, Reichmarks, rims, rubles, pounds, and shekels. It is the international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. That is the natural order of things today. That is the atomic and subatomic and galactic structure of things today. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Am I getting through to you, Mr. Beale? You get up on your little 21-inch screen and howl about America and democracy. There is no America. There is no democracy. There is only IBM and ITT and AT&T and DuPont, Dow, Union Carbide, and Exxon. Those are the nations of the world today. What do you think the Russians talk about in their councils of state? Karl Marx? They get out their linear programming charts 
Statistical decision theories, Minimax solutions, and compute the price cost probabilities of their transactions and investments, just like we do. We no longer live in a world of nations and ideologies, Mr. Beale. The world is a college of corporations, inexorably determined by the immutable bylaws of business. The world is a business, Mr. Beale. It has been since man crawled out of the slime. And our children will live, Mr. Beale, to see that perfect world in which there's no war or famine, oppression or brutality. One vast and ecumenical holding company for whom all men will work to serve a common profit in which all men will hold a share of stock. All necessities provided, all anxieties tranquilized, all boredom amused. And I have chosen you, Mr. Beale, to preach this evangel. Why me? Because you're on television, dummy. Sixty million people watch you every night of the week, Monday through Friday. I have seen the face of God. You just might be right, Mr. Beale. Boy, that's a hell of a speech, right? Written in 1975, and it won, of course, Best Screenplay. And don't you see Aaron Sorkin picking up uh, where Patty Chayefsky left off today and writing those kind of monologues? But that's Ned Beatty. Do you see the similarities between that stupid MASH thing that he's doing? Don't you see how that was probably the situation? I'm telling you, the timeline adds up. Everything about it adds up. Something, I was sitting there watching, and I'm like, it reminds me. I was like, somebody else was doing that in 1975 and said, we got to get this guy. He's terrific, and apparently he was so good. Like I said, he memorized it, did it in one day. I don't, I don't know whether he did it in one take. I mean, just one day of shooting, and boy, is it powerful. Really powerful, especially you know when, it, when, when he comes in just to the meeting. He's like, oh, hey, it's nice to see you. And then he just turns into this thing, and he's going to let him. Boy, it's, it's really something special. you got to see the movie. It's, even the guy's face, you know, when he's just sitting there like in awe, just like uh, Father Mulcahy. It's really... A hell of a piece of acting and writing at the same time. I was sitting there going like, wow, it's uh, mesmerizing. And I wonder, you know, when I listen back, if it comes across that way in audio, I bet you it does. I bet you it's almost just as powerful. So on a less night light note, I guess I'll go backwards. There's this woman, uh, an old Nazi. She's 96. And she fleed a nursing home because she knows she's going to be brought up on charges for being around or contributing to the murders of 11,412 people. But the thing is, and I'm not letting it go because she's 96. I don't care about that. Once a Nazi, always a Nazi. But she was a typist you know, in this camp, and they're like, we know she had knowledge of what they were doing. 
But you know, maybe she did. Of course she did. What what is a typist supposed to do? What are they supposed what are you supposed to do? What are you what are you gonna take on the fucking Nazis? Hey, you guys really shouldn't be doing what did you say, Fraulein? Uh, no, I, no, I was, I was, I, I was uh, doing something from a play. I was just sitting. I'm like, if, if this is all you got, I mean, everybody's dead. We fucked up. All right, you didn't catch these people way earlier on. Now they're all either in the 90s or hundreds are dying or dead. It's over. We fucked up. We didn't get them when it hurt. They fled to Argentina, lived out perfect, beautiful lives. As if for them, the whole thing never happened. Lived into their hundreds because they actually were perfect species, I guess. And we fucked up. So picking on a typist. And obviously she's up. I mean, she's trying to flee. You know, they caught her right away. But I mean, you know, who wouldn't in 96? You don't know what's going on. I don't know. Of course, she knew stuff. She was a type. What is, what is she supposed to say? It's like. How many jobs have I been at? Where, of course, those kind of atrocities aren't similar but i've seen stuff where you know they're suing people with nothing they're trying to get money out of uh it wasn't argentina when was it uh this guy one of the things they were trying to get money out of a, a debt of a country that has no money and this you know do you stand up and say to your boss hey this ain't right and then you think about like i don't want to get fired and then i won't get a good reference I mean, can you imagine trying to do that to your Nazi bosses? Hey, hey, you got to lay off on some of these. You don't have to kill everybody. What did you say? No, I said I was just seeing how that would sound if it um, came. But you guys know I'm rehearsing for a play, right? I'm just like, it's a, it's a play where the Jews are awful. <laughs> yes, that's more exactly what we were looking for. In this play, are you producing? Um, then you get caught in this uh, hole. I'm like, well, I, I could with some money, I guess. I mean, it's, it's you know, are you really going to pick on the secretaries and the typists who, again, were like, hey, I'm helping my country. They don't know. I mean, they know, but they're like, I can't even imagine. We all, you know, again, it's fascinating that these guys didn't even break when they had the Nuremberg trials. They're like, what are you talking about? I was a patriot. I was doing what my country told me to do. It's so twisted and fucked up. And I'm not saying don't, you know, put her on trial and see, but it, I mean, she is 96. And, you know, where were you all this time? You know, where, why are you finding her now? She's been around a long time. We could have asked a lot of questions at least 20 years ago being 76. I'm confused. I think they're just grabbing at straws at this point because they want to just keep the Nazi hunting going, but we fucked up. You trusted us. Look how I combined the Holocaust with Animal House. Isn't that great? Also, the uh, halftime show, the Super Bowl, they just announced it. Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige, Snoop Dogg, and Dr. Dre. And I immediately called up the uh, NFL and I said, wait, no white people? I think I got a problem with this. Well, I mean, you could if you were crazy. <laughs> but they added an M&M just in case. Uh, it's just kind of funny because are you allowed to say, whoa, whoa, there's not one white person in this? Uh, are you allowed? You're not allowed to do that, right? It's uh, it's it's kind of funny. Uh, that uh, Super Bowl, besides uh, them, you know, who cares? I mean, I like Snoop Dogg. Um, just as a comedian, um, but um, that sounds awful. That just sounds awful. It sounds as bad as Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez at the Super Bowl last year. Now, Shakira, 
I was all in on. That makes sense to me. Jennifer Lopez stinks. Uh, these people don't stink. They're just not my cup of tea. But I guess they've had enough of white people. You have The Who and Tom Petty and Springsteen and all those kind of people. I guess we've, we've wore out our welcome. Uh, I'm not sure who you would get anyway. Rock and roll is done. So who do you get to entertain, I guess? Rappers. Not for me. Where's Janet Jackson? I mean, that made sense. You know, those kind of things. But they, you know, who's hot now? I don't know. Ariana Grande? Well, that would have been good. In fact, why didn't they choose Ariana Grande? I would have been okay with that. Everybody's okay. Nobody doesn't like Ariana Grande. She's terrific. How about Kelly Clarkson? Hey, hey. the two of them, right? Or why don't you just put the whole cast of Victorious on? Ho-ho. Hey. Super Bowl halftime. That's their plan this year. It's a brilliant plan. That way, you know, who's going to complain? You know, unless you're crazy and you're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's no white people on this. It's the opposite complaining. It's very exciting. And finally, uh, this is so classic. You know, Britney Spears won her conservator back or her freedom back, right? And the first thing she does is post naked pictures of herself. So her dad's like, you see? You see what I'm saying? You really wanted to do this? It's kind of funny. I mean, it's making me laugh as soon as I saw it. I'm like, that's classic. She's like, look, I'm, I'm free, everybody. She's just as crazy as her dad said she was, but that's all right. Is that really the first thing you need to do to show people you're okay? But, of course, again, whoever the fuck is involved with sitting outside a courtroom and just being like, free Britney. I mean, what the hell is that? I'd like to talk to all those people and be like, you got nothing better to do. Do a podcast like me about stuff from the 70s. That'll take up a lot of your time. It's much easier that way to get by by just uh, sitting around uh, talking about stuff that happened 50 years ago. Trust me, you don't want to get in on that Britney Spears stuff. Is that going to provide any uh, compensation for you? I think not. Do you think that we did a good enough podcast to coincide with International Podcast Day that was on October uh, September 30th? I hope so. Do you think this is a good enough one to submit for International Podcasting Day? Didn't we do everything a podcast should be today? We gave you news. We gave you drama. We gave you emotions. We gave you some acting and clips and stuff like that. I feel this is the one we can submit for International Podcast Day, even though they're not asking for submissions or anything. I just noticed it was International Podcasting Day yesterday, so I'm a day late. Probably should have put out a special podcast for International Podcasting Day, but eh, what are you going to do? I forgot. Hey, 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 I'm not trying to make money from this, right? I'm just doing it because I like doing it. Anyway, that's our show for today. Okay, October 6th. That's tomorrow, Wednesday, October 6th, if you are in town and you are a Maggie Level subscriber, of course, uh, you get it for free. Uh, but uh, otherwise, anybody that's listened to this podcast, even if you're not a Patreon subscriber, uh, please come down if you're in town, West Side Comedy Club in the Upper West Side, 75th of Amsterdam, in Playa Betty's. Enjoy a good meal upstairs. Come down, see the show downstairs. You can't go wrong. Uh, it's me, Chanel Ali. I'll tell you more about her after I see you next week. Um, who did I replace? Liz Mealy, Lenny Marcus, our football friend, uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America. Olga, of course, and me, and Felicia Uh And uh, so that's 
fun. I'll also be the host on their Thursday, October 14th show. And that's all I have going on comedy-wise, and I really shouldn't be doing stand-up anymore because I'm awful. But that's October 6th. Tonight on our show, yes, the spawn of Amy Heckerling and Harold Ramis, Molly Heckerling, mother of two, joining us on the Comedy Cellar football show tonight at 6 p.m. At 7 p.m., Alex Sulkin from Family Guy and Ted and so much more. He's awesome. We'll be joining us next week. Craig Fitzsimmons rescheduled from the week before and then the music of our friend Colin Smith. Everybody, the Nightfly wishes you the best October as the hits keep coming. The fall, the beautiful weather, New York City. We'll see you next week, everybody, on the Nightfly Podcast. Good night. You never satisfy.